hello and happy new year to our listeners. Welcome to the January 2022 episode of This Month in Water History, a CRW podcast. I'm your host, Beth McGinnis, and I'd like to welcome our chief engineer, Adam Bjornstead, to the podcast. Thanks for being here, Adam. Good morning, and thanks for having me. Um, I was hoping you might be able to share a little bit about yourself and your role at CRW before we get into major content. Sure, Beth. It's hard to believe, but I've been at CRW for over 13 years in various engineering roles. Uh, most recently, as chief engineer, I manage our system operations department, which focuses on capital project planning, implementation, and system maintenance. I like to think of our department as a cycle of plan, build, and maintain. In my time at CRW, I've been involved in a number of challenging and rewarding projects and initiatives. I've managed design and construction of projects on our water treatment plant, as well as our distribution system, including piping, pumping, and storage. A number of these projects have involved building more resilience into our water system, including structural upgrades and restrained piping projects. I've also had the opportunity to manage completion of our water system master plan and water treatment facilities plan, recently developed the district's capital planning strategy and six-year capital plan, and have played a part in our ongoing strategic planning efforts. It is truly never a dull moment here at CRW. I truly believe that statement is accurate. It is quite busy here. Um, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for sharing your knowledge. Uh, before we dive in, a small programming note for our listeners. Uh, the format for today's episode is going to sound a bit different. Um, this month, our, we're going to feature the Northridge earthquake of 1994 and its impacts on the water delivery system in the greater Los Angeles area. After I do some storytelling and setting the stage, we'll transition to a short interview with Adam so he can share with you all about the work CRW is doing and has done to prepare for seismic disruptions to our water system, as well as opportunities we have in the future to build more resilient systems in partnership with the Portland metro area water providers. And with that, let's get started. Let's go to Monday, January 17, 1994, at 4.31 a.m. The Northridge earthquake, which was epicentered near Reseda, California, impacted the San Fernando Valley and uh, was of great disruption. This 6.7 magnitude event damaged portions of the Santa Monica Freeway and cars were discovered among the rubble of the collapsed Interstate 5. Additionally, a combination of structural damage and natural gas line eruptions started a total of 466 fires. The quake killed more than 60 people and injured more than 9,000, and the damage was over $20 billion. That is a lot. Um, from a water utility perspective, this quake resulted in the most extensive damage to a water supply system in the U.S. since the 1906 San Francisco earthquake. Three major transmission systems that provide over three-quarters of the water for City of Los Angeles were disrupted. The Los Angeles Department of Water and Power and the Metropolitan Water District trunk lines were damaged at 74 different locations and the distribution system required repairs at 1,013 locations. However, to understand North Ridge's impacts on smarter, smaller water utilities in that area, I had an opportunity to read a paper from 2013 that the general manager of Valencia Water Company wrote to describe the impacts of this event. This water utility is in northern Los Angeles County along I-5. If you're near Magic Mountain Theme Park, you're in their service area. 
At the time, this utility served a population of 70,000 customers through 23,000 connections with a distribution system that was 270 miles of various types of pipes, such as PVC, ductile iron, steel, asbestos cement, and high-density polyethylene. This earthquake was a blind thrust fault that really impacted the buried infrastructure. It's interesting to note that prior to this event, this type of quake wasn't thought of to be much of a threat uh, to the area. The Valencia system was dewatered in 30 minutes from three tank failures and hundreds of water main and service line breaks. There was no electricity, no phone system, and therefore no electronic information about the status of the water system was available. A field operation was stood up with the employees that reported to work within 30 minutes of the event to begin assessing the damage sustained. They were able to begin refilling some segments of the distribution system once power was returned within 12 hours to some areas and when widespread restoration happened in 24 hours for power. The process of repressurizing for each segment was long and each one was brought back individually. When leaks were identified in that segment, they were repaired and then disinfection of the pipeline uh, occurred. Once they pressurize that system, they would discover another break farther down the line and repeat the repair and sanitation process over and over. Once one of the things that was challenging for them in repairing after this initial event was significant aftershocks. A 5.1 magnitude shaking event is not small and can cause restoration timelines to be set back due to additional damage that occurs and more assessment time to repair that damage. All in all, within four days of this event, the Valencia system had restored service to 75% of its customers. All customers were restored by 13 days post-event. They continued to face repairs related to the quake for two years afterwards. Additionally, repairs done in the immediate response were needing to be reassessed and corrected with appropriate materials. For major tank damage workarounds, they used temporary interconnections between pressure zones that eventually were removed once the tanks were repaired or replaced. Now, what does this experience mean for us in the Cascadia subduction zone? Our local planning is for a catastrophic level event and the Northridge quake was more of a disaster level event. But the ability to come back online within 15 days shows that the consequences for that type of event were expensive and difficult but not catastrophic. For some context around the difference between catastrophic events and disaster level events, I'm going to read a section from FEMA's National Response Framework. At a national level, a catastrophic incident is one of such extreme and remarkable severity or magnitude that the nation's collective capability to manage all response requirements would be overwhelmed, thereby posing potential threats to national security, national economic security, and or the public health and safety of the nation. By definition, a national catastrophic incident implies that the necessary resources are not available within expected timeframes for the incident's response. During a catastrophic incident, decision makers would be forced to consider the landscape of requirements and prioritize resources to manage shortfalls rather than to address all needs at once. So, in layman's terms, a great comparison is the Northridge quake was a disaster, but Hurricane Katrina was a catastrophic event. So in the Pacific Northwest, we have to deal with facing for both types of quakes, uh, a crustal earthquake uh, or a big one, which is our Cascadia subduction zone earthquake. 
Different quake types generate different impacts on infrastructure, so we must harden our systems with all hazards in mind. Water access in a disaster is a life safety issue. With that, let's turn to Adam for some questions and answers about CRW's current state and their plans for the future. Thanks again for joining us. Before we recorded, you had an opportunity to review the article on Valencia's experience and the lessons learned. What do you think those lessons mean for CRW? Are we investing in resources that are more resilient than when Valencia had at the time of that quake? Well, the Valencia event helped to confirm a number of things for not only us, but other water providers in the region and nationally. It helped articulate the often unpredictable nature of an earthquake, including how different soil properties and other environmental conditions react, and how those reactions may affect buried and above ground infrastructure. The similarities between Valencia and CRW systems are interesting. While Valencia is a larger system, its hydraulic characteristics, customer base, and built infrastructure bear some resemblance to CRW. Like Valencia, CRW has many miles of transmission and distribution piping of various materials and ages. Also, while we have a few buried or partially buried reservoirs, the majority of CRWs are at-grade or above-ground storage tanks, constructed of welded steel or concrete. What we can gather from examples like Valencia and what we've been able to capture in Oregon from efforts like the 2013 Oregon Resilience Plan is that water systems and other infrastructure needs to prepare for the likelihood of future seismic events and their impact on various aspects of the system. At CRW, we have refreshed our understanding of the deficiencies in our system by our 2019 Water System Master Plan, as well as more recent work on our Risk and Resilience Assessment and Water Treatment Facility Plan to categorize and prioritize key resilience needs. Goal number one of our current strategic plan addresses the need to ensure a reliable water supply for the communities we serve by investing in infrastructure and emergency preparedness. With all of these in mind, CRW has made recent improvements to our water system and is planning for ongoing and future improvements as part of our biennial capital improvement programs. These efforts will help CRW be better prepared for a future seismic event. Thanks. Next question. What are CRW seismic priorities in the next five years? That's a great question. And as is obvious in our planning, our master planning work, there's a lot of need, a lot of deficiency. But what we'll be focusing on in the next five years is replacing sections of piping in our system that are deficient due to age, leak history, and lack of restrained joints. Typically, new ductile iron pipe will be installed that meets our current standards of fully restrained joint pipe that is properly bedded and backfilled. As budgets allow, we hope to replace several miles of deficient piping each year. Regarding our storage tanks and pump stations, we'll be looking at past seismic studies performed on these facilities, verifying their applicability, refreshing findings and recommendations to current seismic code, and prioritizing upgrades to critical facilities. Some areas we'll be focusing on include remote operating valves to protect water storage in the case of an earthquake, flexible joint connections at inlet and outlet piping to our tanks where necessary, and an overall assessment of our pump stations to determine where structural upgrades are needed. We'll also be looking into additional ways we can provide on-site emergency power to these facilities, as well as building redundancy into our distribution system by adding new transmission and pumping connections to serve our more remote areas.
Sorry, I forgot to hit the unmute button. Uh, what's the one thing you would recommend to our customers so that they can prepare themselves for this type of earthquake and potential water loss? Well, that's a, a good question. And I know it's kind of an overwhelming topic for many. There's a lot of information out there um, about what you can do to prepare yourself. But I'd actually recommend two things that contain multiple parts. These are home and community. First, create an emergency response plan for your home and family, including alternate forms of contact, on and off-site meeting areas, and plenty of emergency water and food. Second, from a community perspective, if you don't already know your neighbors, get to know them and figure out how you will assist each other in an emergency. These will be the most important elements of ensuring your most effective response to really any emergency scenario. Well, that's a great place to end our podcast today. I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in again. Um, to read the paper on Valencia's story or to learn more about water resilience efforts in the Portland metro area, you can check out our website, crwater.com, where the paper is available for download and links to our Regional Water Providers Consortium's emergency preparedness page will be. I'd like to thank Adam for being here today and thank you for listening. We'll see you in February for another edition of This Month in Water History, a CRW production.